it's listening, but listening isn't easy. So how do you listen with like your ears open to learn? How do you listen with intention? This is Brand Story, a podcast featuring in-depth conversations with leaders, marketers, and brand storytellers about their professional journey and the impact they're making on the world around them. Welcome to the Brand Story Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gilman, and my guest today is Claude Silver, the Chief Heart Officer for VaynerMedia. And Claude is a motivational speaker, a thought leader, and focuses on teaching people and organizations how to disrupt the traditional HR model by focusing on emotional optimism and heart-centered leadership. She also has an amazing podcast called Emotional Optimism, and uh, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. Hi, Claude. Welcome to the podcast. Steve, great to be here. Three times a charm. <laughs> yeah. We made it. We made it. It's always hard to, with Wi-Fi and traveling and all the various, you know, ins and outs of that. We've got you from your garage live today. Yep. Which is, the, the I'll tell the audience, the one place that Claude's Wi-Fi is working today. So we're hopeful it stays that way. <laughs> Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So you have such an amazing story, and it's hard to even know where to start. But I kind of wanted to just jump off today by getting your off-the-cuff definition of what emotional optimism means to you. Great. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. Emotional optimism means to me that... We all have emotions that we are aware of. We all have ups, we have downs, we have terrible days, we have joyful days. The part that I'm talking about is the acknowledgement of the emotion, but not becoming the emotion. When we start to become the emotion and become attached to the emotion, then it's a harder swim to the surface. However, when we can acknowledge the emotion and also have hope, for a new day, have possibility for a new day, a new at-bat, that's what it's about for me. So it's not negating the emotion or whatever it is we're going through. It's certainly not toxic positivity. It's saying, yes, this is where I am right now. This sucks. This stinks. Thank goodness I reached out for some support. I'm not alone. I'll rise again. Yeah, I think that bias towards a little bit of positivity in the darkness and being able to see the beauty anyway is what really can get you through life in general. Amen to that. I had a grief counselor at one point that said something to me that became my daily mantra, and it's that fear is a liar. So what do you think of that statement? I probably would say 95% of that I agree with, yeah. except in the um, in the actual danger portion. Like <laughs> sure, if right. you're you know, uh, <laughs> driving a Formula One car. Yeah. Or something like that. But I I do think that I'm very clear that there are two emotions, love and fear. And when we're operating out of love, things move smoother. And when we're operating out of fear, there is a stuck in the mud, sadness, woe is me, analysis paralysis. So I definitely think that uh, that fear can be a liar. I agree. Yeah, and I think that what you said about, you know, finding love and having knowing where it is in your daily life, you know, there isn't a lot of business people that use the word love. And I've noticed with uh, your podcast and and a lot of things you've written and other things you've appeared on, you know, you talk about the interconnectedness and our 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 ability and desire to find love in situations. Yeah, it's so. It's so important 
because I think the expectation back in the day when the nine to five work week was set up and people were commuting and whatnot was that you go into work and you close everything down and you become a machine or some other um, alternate ego, alternate personality. And then you leave work and you go home and you see your spouse or your partner and your kids and then you turn it back on. Turn the love on, turn yeah. the feeling on, turn the emotion. Like we somehow were told or we picked up on the fact that being armored and guarded was safe. Right. Okay, sure. It is safe to have armor on, but it's living life out of fear rather than out of love. And so what I am talking about is why would I want to go into any place I spend eight hours plus a day with people I'm around 200 days a year, if not more, I don't even know how many days I'm around them and shut myself down. No, I want to be my best self because when I'm my best self and I'm coming from a place of goodness or love, like life works for me and life seems to work for other people. When you come from that generous spirit, when you come from that place. So for me, honestly, it's common sense. I recognize my common sense is going to be really different than someone else's. Um, but I just think the less we shut down and the more we take baby steps into the water and slowly start to peel back who we are, the more trust, more connection, more friendships, more sense of safety we will have. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful point of view. I mean, you're the very first chief heart officer, certainly at Vayner, but maybe that I've ever heard of. I hadn't heard that role before yours. And the second I heard your role, this giant smile came out of my face because I've had experiences with HR departments and a lot of us in the workplace have been through some sort of workplace trauma or difficulty or experience sort of a patriarchal top-down management style of workplaces. And, you know, from what I can tell, even just from the title, you have to be part coach and part friend and part just, you know, trying to get people to connect. So what is your, what does that role look like to you? And uh, and we'll talk a little bit how, how you got there because it's an extraordinary journey that brought you to it, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's a, the biggest blessing for sure within my, um, within my life with the exception of my kids and family and health. Um, yes, I love that you said, you know, the title itself somehow showcases the coaching, the coaching, the guiding, the, um, and you're spot on because for me, you know, the, the story is about whomever I'm with, not me. You know, I'm here to, to listen and to hopefully help someone identify their own road roadblocks, partner with people, connect people to one another, coach people to see something that's holding them back, um, and really be the Sherpa in many ways, I think, the guide, the Sherpa. But the story is not about Claude. I'm not sitting there being like, hey, Steve, let me tell you all about you because it's going to make Claude look really good. Like, no, let me, let's just, I'm a passenger on your journey. You invited me in and I'm really, really honored to be here. And I happen to come with some tools and some skills and some life experience that could be really helpful in one of the challenges you're facing or something that you're going through or a place you want to get to. 
Yeah, I think having more of that in the workplace, you know, it 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 seems like it's revolutionary to have someone that listens in the workplace authentically. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, I'm laughing. Why am I laughing? Because well, you're right. It's you know, <laughs> it, it's where we've been, and I I yeah. feel like we're getting to a better place, and I feel like people like yourself are leading us there because, you know, just the change in title and the way that you're approaching, you know, human resources and the way that you're holding time for people and giving them an opportunity, like you said, to be a passenger in their story. That is not the usual way this gets done. Not at all. I've been there. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, you know, I studied and trained to be a psychotherapist about, you know, a good eon ago. And people said, you should go into HR, you should go into HR, you should go into recruiting. And it never stuck for me. I, I had didn't have great HR uh, uh, experiences, not that they were terrible, but they weren't good. They didn't leave me saying, oh my God, that, that person really made that easy for me today. Yeah, I want more of that. <laughs> yeah, I want more of that. So NHR has gotten a bad rap. I, I, I don't think people have gotten into the world of human resources or talent or whatever to just be no. I don't think they get into that, you know, oh, I'm going to wake up today and just say no to everything because... I can because I've got the power. You know, I don't. I don't think people do that. I think. I think uh, somehow along the way, whether or not it's the environment we're in, our bosses, um, where we feel like we might provide value to a company, we have we in HR have have um, pigeonholed ourselves into, you know, bureaucrat. I think bureaucratic naysayers in defense of the company and the company only when. We just know that's that is just not the way to create sustainability today, you know, and happy cultures. Yeah, I mean, people's relationship with work has changed a lot, and you bringing up culture, you know, you to have your approach, it's important to be in a place that the culture supports it. But I think you know the experiences, maybe negative experiences you've had, or I've, or other people have had with HR. Don't come down to the individual HR people that often. It has to do with the culture. Amen to that. I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this or talking about the role of chief heart officer if I didn't work for someone as incredible as Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. So he blessed the role. We created it. It was the first. There's a few out there now. But if he didn't give this role such a prominent seat at the table, I would have much more of an uphill uh, uphill journey among uh, among all of the other stuff I'm dealing with every single day, like people. And so we've eased that. I'm there at the table with him. I can speak for him in many situations and do what I do. He trusts me. And now I just get to do the job. I get to listen. I get to streamline things. I get to be in strategy meetings. I get to, you know, hear if a person is, you know, finding joy in what they do or would they rather move to a different office and start again or or whatnot. You know, I said to some people today, I was having a conversation with who didn't get the uh, salary increase that they wanted. We talked through it and whatnot. And I said, I don't want you to job jump just to get that extra money. I want you to be here forever, not able to give you that extra money right now. But if you feel 
like you start to get cynical or you feel like you're going to look on look for something else or answer that LinkedIn message, please let me know first. Please, please, please. Because we can fix almost everything here. You know, it's a very human approach and I'm I'm a huge fan of Gary's. And you know, one of the reasons I started my podcast was because of him and I've sort of wandered in to just this world of just wanting to spend time with brilliant people and tell their stories for a little while. And I love it. But, you know, what you're doing is just very human. There aren't that many moments. And, you know, it's like you had said earlier, in business, we were taught be businessy, not be human. You know, almost be business robots. So I think you're, you know, the Vayner brand is very strong for exactly that reason. It's what you promote and what you say you care about. And it isn't about saying it, it's about doing it. So you all are very human first and it comes through in the work. And I, you know, I interact with enough of people that have worked there or worked there that it's a very happy, very motivated culture because people get treated like human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Because it, it takes a village. It's not just Claude, just Gary. It's all of us. You're, you are quite a storyteller. Like I've noticed by listening to you over the years and, and interacting with you, you know, you do use metaphor and you use stories and I remember reading, so very early on, you wanted to be a, a, a movie director, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I think we started, you know, my parents took us to the movies early on, but there was something about getting <laughs> getting behind my dad's Super 8, which he had at that time, and just doing my own filming of God knows what, I don't know. But um, I liked, I, there's something I liked about the creative process. It felt... Even as a young kid, I didn't have words such as creative process or strategy, but there's something that made sense to me in terms of um, a book, I guess, a storybook, you know, the continuation of the characters. And the funny thing is like now I do that all day long with my daughter when we play, you know, Barbie or whomever, Peppa Pig, and we're making up some crazy stories or the, you know, the stories I tell her in the nighttime, they are coming from someplace and... Um, I didn't know, I really haven't thought about myself as creative for some time, but I see what I do with her and I'm like, this is really cool. This is great. So yes, I wanted to be a movie director. I took screenwriting classes and all that stuff and shot a couple short films in my twenties and um, wrote a couple screenplays and all that. And and I have them in, in some box somewhere, but I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I at least, I'm glad I went for it and took those classes rather than saying to myself, like I did with some other things that happened to do around like academics, like you're no good. At least I said, you know what, go for it. Who knows? Well, and I'm sure the, there's a connection in there somewhere. By the way, I also had an eight millimeter camera that I got from my dad and started using it. And I directed plays in my front yard when I was nine years old. So... I've been in love with story since I was a kid. I didn't know what to call it. I just wanted to tell stories, and I'm still doing that today. But but I think with what you do, and I've, I've seen this with people who are really good counselors, really good leaders, is they all, to a certain extent, are great storytellers. Because when you're trying to reach a group of people emotionally, you might not be sitting down and writing a screenplay, but I bet you're using story. Well, you're a thousand percent right because the human experience is the human experience. Yeah, right. And while you and I are very different in that we've had very different life experiences from the moment we've been born, 
we have experienced a very similar bag of emotions, right? There are no, I'm not aware of any new emotions out there that are springing forward, but you and I know the gamut of, of the range of emotions, be that grief and sadness and confusion to joy, happiness and surprise. And that's what we, that's what stories are made up of, right? They're, they're made up of ways in which we can um, uh, relate as another human being and say, huh, that happened to me too. Or think about that next time, you know, someone honks at me on the road or whatever. Yeah. What kind of day are they having? What's making them honk? I do that constantly. I think there's something, there's something that, that in business, you know, obviously at Vayner, it's not a, not a bad word, but it's a word that didn't get used for years and years. And that word is just empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about working with other people, and you just want them to be on time behind their desk, there isn't a whole lot of empathy in that. <laughs> no. That, that's, that's what we were saying. And, in, in, you know, back in the uh, Industrial Revolution and whatnot, you know, we needed people to show up at that factory and yeah. punch in and get busy. Right. Because people needed, you know, Cheerios the next day or people needed to have tires on their car or whatever it is. And while that's still the case in many ways, I would like to think that, our ask of them has softened in those places. You know, our, our need for them has become more clear. Why them? And, and you know, I'm, I, I know that I'm speaking probably more in terms of the Western world and how privileged we are to have jobs, but the, um, you know, empathy is, empathy is an emotion and the, the actions, how to show empathy is through kindness and compassion. And so when a lot of times people ask me, or I've taught some classes on, on, on emotional intelligence, you know, can you teach someone empathy? Well, I can teach someone to be kind and compassionate. So whether or not they can be that empathetic person in that minute and hold space for that person, I don't know. But I do know that we all can teach each other how to be kind. Yeah. And that, that's certainly a quality that our world, and especially our Western world, could use more of. <laughs> right? We could days. swap some things. Couldn't we? West and maybe yeah. we find a little bit more equilibrium, you know? Yeah, we could use a little bit of that. I'm, I'm hopeful that it will, it will come because, you know, people like you and people that are out there, you know, there's, there's so much more kindness than there is ugliness in the world. It's just that we don't see it. So you much know? more kindness. So yeah. much more kindness. We don't have a very a huge media st showing us all the kindness every day, you know? We have a lot telling us to be afraid of something. Sure, don't we? Every day you turn on the news, it doesn't matter where you are, especially in America where yeah. it's like, Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And it's like packaged and perfectly yeah. produced to scare yeah. the hell out of you. Yeah. You're like I would much rather be watching SpongeBob at this moment <laughs> in time than that. I think if we could fix the world, we'll just put on SpongeBob instead of the news. And <laughs> yeah. everyone at least totally. would feel better. Yeah, a lot of the things that seem so immediate and so terrible, there's a million beautiful things going on as well. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I heard you speak about this. Um, on you, you're a guest on several podcasts, and I was listening to a few, and you were talking about having empathy for yourself, because I know you've you've had a challenging journey, and you know none of us, even if you end up in a position where you're helping people, none of us are perfect. 
So how do you how do you think about empathy for yourself and how do you help other people with that? Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm smiling just because none of us have haven't had an easy journey. It just depends, right, on, on uh, I think, on your attitude in many ways. Um, and taking yourself, taking myself out of the victim seat was a big part way back in the day of me starting this journey of being more empathetic and recognizing myself more rather than refusing myself, you know, yeah. rather than just, you know, I, I, I come from very generous people and I actually thought part of the way to be generous was just to take more and more and more and more on from others and, you know, no, no harm, no foul. That's just how I interpreted what generosity meant in many ways. And, um, and so when I could finally stop doing that and uh, at least be aware of when I was doing that, when it was real or when it was kind of charity work, um, and then start to forgive myself is really what I had to do. And so the road to forgiveness took me, a, it took me a lot to get on the road. Once I got on the road, I stayed because it was really sweet. It smelled better. It was a kinder world for me. And that doesn't mean that it's perfect every day and I don't slip into, I should have done that or God, Claude, you really messed that one up or what are you even doing? What are you even doing here? You know, um, sometimes I get into those places, but I do remember, you know, I remember some mantras that I was taught during a time in my life when I really had to do some deep forgiveness and behave, make some massive behavior change in myself. Um, and they were very simple, you know, I'm worthy, I'm enough, um, I deserve to be here, those types of things. And while like cheesy as they may sound, when you say them over and over and over and over, it, something, something clicked. Yeah, they can have a huge effect. I think that's not uncommon at all for people to struggle with those very things of whether they belong. I forget what the quote exactly is, but you know, something around like be kind always because you never know what someone else is going through. You know, someone can have a smile on their face, but they're hurting very badly. And I think that, you know, everyone struggles with those very simple human things. Like, do I belong here? Am I worthy of this? And, you know, you're, uh, thank you for being so open about that because the, a lot of people do think that helping is just taking everything on. It's very hard to find the line, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that is why I use the word passenger. Yeah, that's a great word. It's because I am a passenger with you on your journey. It's not my journey. I just, I'm, it just, it just isn't. And so what I'm doing at work and what I do in life, but certainly at work is, you know, riding shotgun with someone. How can I be there to help support you, navigate you know, you want me to read the map while you're driving? Cool. You want me to sing to you? Cool. Want to do poetry? Cool. You want to take a break from driving? Cool. But this is all what I'm offering up. I don't know. You know, and that's the wonderful thing I think about being with people is that I don't have to have the answers because I'm never going to know what's really right for Steve. I can offer you tons of suggestions, maybe suggestions I've given myself. 
you got a bite on one of those or none of those. Well, that takes a lot of self-awareness, but it also takes giving up the control of looking like you've got it figured out. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, which I think I think a lot of people struggle with. You know, if you're supposedly in charge, if you're the boss or you're the HR leader or whatever it is, you know, you're playing this role sometimes where you're supposed to have the answers. So it takes being a little bit vulnerable to say, you know, no, I'm on this journey with you. Let's figure it out together. Yeah. Hey, I have suggestions. Yeah, right. right? It's very different than... I've, let me take on this problem for you. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not any smarter than anyone else. So, and, and, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm saying this for everyone. We're not any smarter than anybody else. We may have gotten 1600 on your SATs, or you could be like me and got 1050. We're still trying to figure this out, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, all of us. I love, by the way, I, I, I really am so happy that we got to talk today and talking just the the concept of being a passenger on other people's journeys, I think is such a wonderful message, you know, one for me, but for anyone listening, because it's a, a just a different way to picture yourself when you're trying to help someone. Yeah, it takes, it really does take some of the pressure off, especially if you're meeting with people at scale, you know, and, and, or you're a therapist or you're this or that like I mean you gotta you gotta have some kind of self-care in there you can't just do this all day long and think that you're gonna be able to do this for the next 30 years and be as vibrant as you are today yeah that's probably why a lot of people burn out yeah roles that are designed to help others because they don't know how to regulate um so speaking of just that sort of emotional life and you have a podcast called emotional optimism living in the silver lining and it's one of my favorite podcasts. And it's meant a lot to me. You know, through the pandemic, I listened to it. It's a kind, really generous space. Why did you start your podcast? And what are you hoping that people get out of it? That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm so glad you asked the question. I started the podcast because I want to know about people. And I'm very curious. And I just want to connect with people. I think, you know, to your point, the stories that people share, who they are, what they, who they were at five or who they are today at 45, those things are really interesting to me. Um, going back to the, the fact that we're all fairly similar, even though we have our differences, is that I may learn something about, you know, John's story or the way he traveled through that challenge that I can use in my life. I mean... We're here to share. So that's the, that's the first part is I just really, I, I, have a, I have a like of people and wanted to hear what, what, what sparked them. And I don't have um, a rhyme or a reason for who I pick to talk with. I think that's the first thing. The second thing, and this is, you know, this is similar to um, social media content, is I really can only do it if I am like really in that moment. I cannot fake it. I cannot put a post up if I'm. I can relate. Put it this way. You know how many people have said, Claude, I'll handle your social media. Like we'll make a content calendar and on this day we'll post. And I'm like, I, how do you, I don't know if I want to talk about authenticity today. Maybe I'm not feeling it. You know, I don't know if I want to talk about like leading with heart. Maybe I'm not feeling it. So I can't do any of that. You know, I mean. I, That's a very authentic way to go about it, actually. I'm really unable to. Yeah. 
So sometimes I go through droughts with the podcast because I, I'm like either tapped out or it's just not, it's authentically not coming to me. I respect that. I think that's one of the coolest things about your podcast is it feels so genuine and so just you spending some time with people that, you know, your, your podcast has inspired mine a lot in a lot of ways. This is not a very businessy podcast. And, you know, we talk about brand and we talk some, with some people, that's what they want to talk about. But I love people's stories and I love getting to know someone. And I'm an introvert, so I love connecting one-on-one. And you're projected on a, on a teleprompter directly across <laughs> from me. So it's almost like we're sitting together. I know. <laughs> so it's just a wonderful moment where I get to sit with someone and I learn a ton. And it's just an amazing thing. One of the things I wanted to ask you, I have a few like, questions that I want to keep you a super long time today. But has there, there's so much that has to have impacted your role as a leader. Is there any particular advice that just leaps to mind that, that someone somewhere in life has given you that you recall as you're trying to be a leader? I mean, it's listening, but listening isn't easy. So how do you listen with like your ears open to learn? How do you listen with intention? And, and you know, I don't want to use big words like intentionality and all of that because yes, you have to listen with intention, but like you have to listen because you want to. <laughs> That's really <laughs> it. And if you don't want to. You're not going to do a good job. Yeah. So either sub out or don't be in that role. And that's okay. That's the thing. It's so okay. I think to be like, you know what? I'm much, I'm a much better individual contributor than I am a leader of 12 people or whatever. So listening, listening to learn is essential. I, I really think being okay with being vulnerable and I don't mean you have to talk to us about what happened when you were six. That doesn't have to happen. But as a leader, I think it's okay. Actually, I think it's needed to share some of your struggles, some of your journey. Like when people first saw me in this role and I started to get asked more and more about myself, you know, I was like immediately, wait, let me just break it down to everyone. I sucked at school. I took the SATs three times on time. Like I have put myself in terrible self-sabotaging positions. So there is no model way to get here. I didn't graduate from undergraduate until I was 28. You know, like this isn't like Claude on high. This is Claude is now in a position, a great position where I can play to my strengths all day long. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's been a, like roses all day long either. So I, that was so important for me to get out very quickly that I am just like everyone else with my own warts and my own, you know, wonderful, wonderful freckles and all of that stuff. And I want, I want everyone to, to be in a role where they can play to their strengths, and, and that takes time. Yeah, it does, and I think being sort of on the bumper car journey of life helps you in a lot of ways. You know, when you have hardships and you have struggles and you don't do well, you know, it, that's actually as important as doing well. Right? Yeah. Like, thank God I've failed some of the things I've failed at, because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have learned a thing. You know, I'm writing a book right now, and um, uh, when I first started 
to get it together, you know, get pieces together. I really thought I was going to call it failing forward because that's really what it's been. I mean, it's all been unexpected to me. Sure. You know, <laughs> um, anyway, it's not going to be called failing forward and I'm not sure of the title yet, but I really, I think the, the point of the story is in order to learn, you have to fall in order to, in order to feel joy, there is some sorrow and pain, you know, learning by skinning my knees. It's just the way Claude learns. And I'm okay with that. And I'm a, yeah, I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got into this role in your 40s, right? Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Thank like, you. I think, you know, I think that's one of the things that can be wrong or difficult or challenging about work and career is people think, oh, if I haven't worked on this my whole life, there's no way I can be good at it. Well, we're all pretty complex. Yeah. You know, we, we bring a lot of value in a lot of different ways. So maybe, you know give ourselves a little credit for the things we can do. Yeah, and going back to the question about leadership, like I wanna fight for people, I really do. And I think that's because I was, I felt like an underdog for an enormous amount of time. And when I was finally able to get out of that victim place and, and start to see myself as like an actual human, you know, <laughs> worthy of, oxygen and all of that stuff, um, it made me want to, you know, f fight might not be the right word, rooting. Like, I'm here. I am cheering you on. And I have that capacity to do that inside of me. I can do that. I'm not giving away anything I can't give away. Like, I am, I am cheering you on. It feels good to be able to do that. I directed theater for years before I started my own company. And working with actors, that was always that way for me. All I wanted to do is have them do well, you know, to be able to provide a safe space for people to try something that's risky is it just feels great to be able to do that, you know, and you just give them a moment. Is it really impossible? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. You yeah, know? for like, the most part. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to become five foot ten all of a sudden. That's impossible <laughs> in this lifetime. But... <laughs> But there's many other things I can I can take a swing at. Yeah. So can everyone. I'm so excited to hear you're writing a book. So maybe I'll I'll try to get you back on when your book comes out. We yes, can talk about that yes. too. I have one final question for you and I will let you go because I know you have a very, very busy schedule. If you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Take more swings. Yep. <laughs> That's a great, great place to end on. And I think just a wonderful message for anyone listening. Take more swings. I could literally talk to you all day. And Vice versa. It's so much fun. I, I've been looking forward to this for so long because you're just a person that, like, your words have meant a ton to me. And I I really appreciate the energy you put out into the world. Thank so you, thank Steve. you for thank you for all that. It's really amazing. I love your energy. I, I can sit and talk to you all day. You've got the greatest chill voice ever. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story.